What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. fans can you see the smile on my face can you hear the smile on my face if you're listening to this um just via podcast well if you're watching on youtube you can certainly see it um boy oh boy boy oh boy oh boy um i am joined by my also very happy co-host his his red hair is shining glimmering if you will um jeremy cohen jeremy how are you my friend i'm great you know i've heard before that when i get happy it just my hair sheens and shines you know catches a blaze it sets fire to everything around me so you've got to like if you want to social distance because of covid six feet you gotta do that in normal circumstances because my hair gets too hot so (laughs) you know i'm great how could you how can you watch that game and not feel amazing because the funny thing is that i was about to i was expecting a loss yeah. Um, I'm at my uh, girlfriend's parents' place and I was saying before I went to watch the game, I was like, all right, well, um, they said, have fun. I was like, I won't. They're playing against pr- probably the best team in basketball, at least regular season wise around two, there. Top two or three. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and now I just feel amazing because again, I was going to be like, all right, well it's Owen three, you know, like I personally don't take stock into games for at least like the first nine or 10, as I've said before. And that's still true. And yet I'm also just going to disregard that completely because this well, game was so amazing that, uh, like, again, I'm joking, but the whole point is like, no, but it, every, every, all three there's validity seen, to what you're saying. Absolutely. All because you, you can brush some stuff off when it's like, okay, this takes time. Yep. But when it doesn't take time and it happens faster, you 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 are allowed to put stock into that. So yeah, yeah. and again, like everything that we've seen through these three games, all of it matters. It's just we don't know how much it matters until we get a larger sample size. So like this game could mean everything and a sign of what's what's to come. Like the shots that we saw tonight and that we've seen the last couple games are indicative of how the Tibbs offense is looking. And even though they don't have the personnel, it looks good. It's inspiring to see what, it, you know, just from an efficiency standpoint and and frequency and accuracy is a little less great. But, uh, you know, it's it feels like they have played what? I mean, there have been six halves. It feels like there have been four good to great halves yeah. against three really good teams, three teams that made the playoffs last year yep. in the East. And that's that's awesome. That's fantastic. So, you know, it, and you're immortalized in a Pixar movie. I thought that the joke was hilarious. I haven't know. seen it yet. I it haven't. Great. Se- it's the way I, also I that it was. It was done. It wasn't like haha, lol, Nick. It was just like a very tongue in cheek, cute way of doing it, and I loved it. And if you were, if anyone was upset about it, like guys, it it was hilarious. It, it, we're immortalized in a Pixar movie. It's okay. It's fine. I I'm um. So I want to take a step back because I, you know, we. It, again, but a little behind the curtain here. Um, we don't prep a lot for these pods. Um, just going to throw this out there. We kind of talk on Sunday and because we don't want to ever present something that's not of the moment and topical. And the nice thing about me and Jeremy is we're both obsessives and we think about this shit all week long. So it's not like we have to sit and be like, oh, let's think about what we're going to talk about because we think about it all week long. So. I just kind of went into today and I was like, you know, I I guess we'll just talk about the games. And that was the extent of our prep. And then I, you know, I started thinking, I'm like, man, they're going to lose tonight and they're probably going to lose by a lot. And we're going to get on here and we are going to have to toe the line between talking people off the ledge and also being fair about, the problems that exist on this team. Right. And um, they won by 20 points tonight against, as you said, a very, very, very good team. And they did it in impressive fashion. 
Um, we'll get to the game in a bit because I think there's a lot worth digging into. Um, you know, but as you know, JB always pushing against the grain, leave it to JB. If you, you know, he, if, if you say this guy's blue, he's going to say it's red. He tweeted out a little while ago, like, look, all the problems that remain that were on this, you know, roster, um, they're still there. Like those problems didn't get solved tonight, but at the same time, not just tonight, but as you were saying, Jeremy, we now have three games worth of evidence. And really we kind of have seven games worth of evidence because, I think Tibbs certainly treated the preseason like a real thing. I think the players to a certain extent treated the preseason like a real thing. Um, And I think that is enough evidence to at the very least give us fans some confidence that there are adults, not to use the overused phrase, but I'm going to use it because I don't know how else to put it. There are adults in the room now. And when I say the room, I mean the locker room. And when I refer to the adults, I mean the coaching staff. Um, Like they have the guys playing the way a team is supposed to play if they intend to win basketball games, which we have not seen for a little while. And I just, you know, there's a lot to point to that's impressive. There are some of the issues that we'll get to. So I guess, I don't know. I want to, I want to throw it back to you. I feel like there's like 10 different places we could start right now. What do you, what do you think? What's your gut feeling tell you is the most appropriate place to start? I mean, it's hard not to look at the three games of RJ Barrett and Julius Randall and start there. I like I mean, that. If, you know, we could say in the moment, obviously there's some key players who jumped out and we'll get to them. Obviously, yeah, but, we will. Um, you know, let, let's start with RJ first because he is in many ways what we hope to be, at least the face of the franchise in the immediate future. Yes. And, you know, it's the sort of thing where game one obviously couldn't miss. He went eight of eight from the field in the first game, finished going three of three from deep. Uh, yep. He cooled off in the second half, but he showed his, his size, his strength. He bullied Oladipo um, yeah. a few times. I mean, he was phenomenal. And if it weren't for the second half woes of the team as a whole, and, and also him too, and just the Pacers doing a great job of um, adjusting to what the Knicks were playing, things might've gone better. And then you get to game two and game two is a completely different story. And it's the sort of thing where you're seeing Ben Simmons, who this is a huge reason actually why I would love to see James Harden in a Sixers Jersey. It's because I don't want Ben Simmons (laughs) in the the Atlantic anymore. He, I mean, the fact that he, they're what? 11, 12 and 0 against the Knicks. He's going to make the next eight all defense teams. It's going to happen. Incredible. And the way that he matched up with RJ was was just devastating. I mean, obviously he didn't he was on the floor for all 15 attempts or at least guarding him one on one. But no, but he the way he was able to yeah. manipulate RJ and create so many bad shots. It just wasn't his night, but RJ was able to do other things which was great. Um you know, he, he, he didn't did, let it get to him. Right. He he still played hard defense. He was still trying to make the right play. Mm-hmm. I thought other than like two or three of those shots, I didn't think they were forced. Right. Um, so, you know, and he's a 20 year old kid and so learning process against a really good player. But that's again, it's it's part of the process, right? Yeah, it absolutely is. But, you know, that's the sort of thing where I was hoping to see he would have some sort of bounce back game from that. And, and just a side note, in terms of RJ, um, one of the things that we were talking about in the KFS Slack Um, a little bit earlier was this idea of, you know, we'll talk about Randall too, but having Randall and Burks next to you, if you're RJ is great, but what happens when RJ Barrett gets shut down by someone like Ben Simmons and you don't have someone else who can really create and score the way that he can. And that's why it's so important next year, whatever it may be, you know, again, I want to focus on the last three games and yeah, future, we're, we're, we're going to try to keep it grounded. Today absolutely. But, yeah. but just the idea of you could see strides in both those games um, of how RJ has been progressing, but he so needs that talent around him that can kind of create that level of gravity where you're taking the focus away. So maybe Ben Simmons isn't focusing all of his energy on shutting down RJ Barrett. Maybe there's someone else he's able to do, but that's the future for right now. It was a tough game. But game three, tonight's game, he seemed to rebound. You know, the shot so, was yeah, well, deep, I have a, but I have a stat line right here. He was 0 for 4 from three. The three-point three point shot has not fallen. In the preseason, yeah, it hasn't fallen in the regular season. But otherwise, other than those four, he was 7 of 13 from two. Um, pulled down eight rebounds. Love to see that. Mm-hmm. Got four assists. Got a steal. Only two turnovers. 17 points. Um, and played 38 minutes. And I believe uh, Vork 
tweeted it out. He played, I want to say he played the first 16 minutes of the game. Um, he is Thibodeau's horse. Um, him and Randall, the two of them, but I think RJ even more. And what I, it, I'm, I, I don't want to get too crazy about this because we also saw um, Andrew Wiggins lead the league in minutes under Thibodeau. And I don't think um, Tibbs thought that he, uh, you know, Wiggins was exactly helping him win. He, I think he felt that it was a necessity. So I'm sure that there is a little bit of that necessity here too. But I also do really legitimately feel like on this roster, Tibbs just doesn't like um, RJ Barrett being off the floor. And that's a good sign. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm sure that some people will quietly question the idea of why the starters were still on the floor in the last few minutes or so of the game. Oh, when I don't, Milwaukee threw in the towel. At I this don't have point, an issue look, with that. Right. You know, sure. Would it have been nice to see other players? Okay, that's fine. But then you also get into the territory of, what happens if, say, like a 20-point lead gets quickly cut down to 12 and then you yeah. got to bring them out? Anyway, just clinch the game and he took him out. It worked out nicely. So um, for RG, you know, it's, it's promising. Whereas where, we, where the conversation was at this point last year, or even a little bit later, where it was certainly not as encouraging. Yeah. Um, and now it, it certainly feels like things are turning around and things are developing. And it's always nice to see when your young players are showing tangible improvement because let's face it we haven't seen that that often as Knicks fans over the last 20 years or so so yeah. it's 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 very heartwarming and it's wonderful to see and, and like you know I got into a lot of trouble over the last however many months we haven't had basketball when I was very blunt about what I thought about RJ Barrett's rookie season um, and and that's because I that's how I felt but you take the work ethic and you take the talent that is there. He does have talent. Just, you know, I think there's the, I, I guess I, I almost feel the need to push back against people that think he is going to be this like transcendent player. Again, that's just, that's not RJ Barrett. What he can be is what we're seeing. And it's only year two and it's going to be even better in year three and year four and year five. Um, just a guy that could do a lot of different stuff, even if he's never going to be the best player on the floor for a good team. What I love about what you said with Randall about the gravity is like, look, the storyline for the first three games is going to be that Tom Thibodeau has helped Julius Randall turn over a new leaf. Right. And I think to a certain extent, it is that simple, but I almost think it goes a little bit deeper than that in that there, there has been a conscious choice made here that, the most effective way that they are going to be able to operate on offense is to put the ball in Randall's hands, which is interesting because I, I remember another guy that made that same decision a year ago and he didn't last in his job for very long, (laughs) (laughs) right? He did not last his job for very long. And if you go back and you watch those early games and you go back and watch these games, um, like, is that just Tibbs convincing Randall? No, I think it's a little bit more than that. I think it's actually like what you opened the show with talking about just like there's more sophisticated schemes being run on offense. There's guys moving around with a purpose. It's not like a bunch of it's not like four guys running around with the, uh, you know, as chickens with their heads cut off around Julius Randall with the ball where he feels the need to do all the stupid shit he did last year. So I, I do think it goes a little bit deeper. I do, like of all the stuff that we saw tonight, like obviously they made, what was it? 50 some odd percent of their threes. They made 59% of the three point attempts. So it's like, that's not going to happen a lot. Um, I think what Randall did and what Randall has been doing is absolutely real. And I think it is going to continue. And I think it there's like, there's no reason. Like, why can't he play this way all year? I'm, I'm serious. Like, what? No, yeah. I agree. I mean, listen, first of all, shame on me, us, whatever, for the idea of even having Obi starting ahead of Randall. Because clearly Randall in this role is showing why it's so impressive for what he's able to do. Yeah. And you know, but we were going off of exactly. the evidence we, we had. Right. And the evidence we had was uh, someone who loved the ball in his hands. It wouldn't move that often. Um, would take absurd shots. Just was not a cerebral player but, at but, all. And, but also, not, there's more to it than just that, too, because it wasn't just that he was not a cerebral player. He would 
he was not accurate with the passes that he was throwing all the time. Mm-hmm. Those have been better because I think they're simpler passes and their passes like he's stationary a lot. He there, yes, there are times where he's driving and kicking out on the move, but a lot of times he's just like there at the top of the key. Guys are moving around him. He's surveying the scene. He'll take a dribble or two once he gets like or, or he'll back into a guy a little bit. But like this is stuff he can do. And then the decision making process for him has been kind of, I think, simplified. So, uh, uh, again, we didn't know that that was going to happen. So when we were like, you know, piling on about like, oh, do we really have can we maybe put him on the bench? Like, I don't think we were being that unfair. And here, you know, here he is tonight. Twenty nine points on 17 shots. He missed his first six from the field. Yeah. And he had twenty nine points on 70 (laughs) shots to go with 14 rebounds and seven assists. Um, and was three and five from deep um, as per uh, Tommy Beer, first player in Nick history to to accomplish that stat line. So uh, good job by you. Um, yeah, I, I love it. And I think we've just described the basis of the Knicks offense this year. Um, and we're not getting it ourselves. We're not talking about who they might trade at the deadline or this and that. But if that's the basis of the Knicks offense, where – where do we go from there? Because that's where we get into the things that we were going to be yelling and screaming about on this particular podcast that we're not going to yell and scream about right now because there's really no reason to, but they still exist. Um, what do you think is like the next most important thing that we've seen? Let's go there. Um, well, before I get to that, I just want to say that the fact is with Randall too, Tibbs is the best head coach that he's had in his entire NBA career. You know, going back to Kentucky, he had Calipari, who was a renowned head coach. But now he also is Kenny Payne. And when you yeah. also it, – it's hard for me to look at the, what, one in five Kentucky Wildcats and oh. see what they're going through Kick and man not wonder. Down. Like, Well, no, but but it's – you know, I'm sorry this if anyone's is, a Kentucky Wildcat fan. Listen, this is but, mean. <laughs> but I'm trying to understand where Kenny Payne fits into all of this because all I'm seeing right now is a Kentucky team that is – greatest basketball program at least collegiate wise and in, in ncaa history you realize um, this is a flaming hot take i love it, it i love it it's a, good, it is a flaming hot take no, maybe it's just from a, a lack of talent perspective but we've also seen kentucky they not talent. produce they do right that's the thing we've seen kentucky not produce lottery talent like this past year in the 2020 draft the first player to go was maxi and he went with the sixers like what 21st i think overall so to me it's the idea of if kenny payne is able to do this much uh, or at least take away that much for Kentucky. And we're starting to see some improvement from a guy like Randall and hopefully from other players as well, whether they went to Kentucky or not. That's something to be said. Um, in terms of the third player that I, or the know, third most important, I, I think thing. it has to probably be Alec Burks. I was so hoping you would go there. You were hoping I wouldn't? I was hoping you would. Okay. Well, I did. I took it. It's there, been. Really. So can we take, I, look, it's me and Jeremy. So, you know, at some point we're going to zoom out. This is where I'm choosing to use our zoom out card here. This is why when we talk about team building, um, the fact that you could go out and get an Alec Burks and what Alec Burks is doing, look, Alec Burks is not a 20 point per game store score in the NBA. Let's, let's be clear about that. But like everything Alec Burks has done, operate out of the pick and roll, make open threes, make simple passes, simple reads. Like these are things Alec Burks has always been able to do as an NBA player. This is not like revelatory stuff. And the fact that you could get a guy like this for one year and $6 million is, you know, is why I think you, you, for any Nick fans who are like, why didn't they go out and sign someone to a big contract this summer? It's like, that this is why because you could get these fringe guys and i think there is a value to maintaining a certain modicum of flexibility when you could just play, and and this also relates to the draft too they took obi Toppin instead of um devin vassell which a lot of people i think are maybe questioning right now not saying those that player comparison is like a perfect fit but like you it i just to me this pickup was so smart and the fact that he's now doing what he's doing in this role speaks to maybe a real nice feather in the cap of this front office. And we're, we're, we're not talking about the trade deadline. Not going to talk about it. We're focusing on the now. We could. 
but we I, won't. We're not going to. <laughs> we'll be enough time for that. Oh, but yeah. he's just been, he's been so outstanding. And and yes, he's hitting. I don't know what his field goal percentage is on the year. It's something absurd. He's not going to keep this up. But um, he this is like he's playing like his game. And I think again, Tom Thibodeau. You we've seen this from from Tibbs before, mostly on the Bulls, but a little bit I think you know with the with the Wolves as well. Guys coming to him and really he figures out how to use them to the best of their abilities. And I think that's what we're seeing from Brex right now. Yeah. And I think it's also worth noting that the first player that was assigned by the Knicks, or at least agreed to coming to the Knicks in free agency was Alec Burke. So clearly they, they had him targeted for a reason. We knew that there were obviously the jazz connections and they figured out a way where we know this player very well and we know what he can do and to get him for $6 million is outstanding. And, you know, I mean, again, the one thing I'll say in terms of zooming out is that there will come a time where you probably don't have to worry about salary matching per se because of not only how much money the Knicks have, but they can also afford to take on something that's worse if they want to trade Alec Burks. But you know what? Alec Burks is a member of the Knicks. We'll keep it that way for right now. Um, He's been outstanding. We are keeping it away for right now. Right. And, you know, the funny thing is in terms of what I was saying with RJ needing that player around him, it's like, yeah, I don't see this. I don't see Burks being consistent, but what Burks has been doing, it's like you can't ask for more at this moment, really. And that's the ideal of like th- this type of performance. Imagine that every single night around RJ Barrett. And then if he had the idea of a player like Burks in a sixth man role, then I mean, it's it's the sky's the limit for the backcourt. At least you're starting to get there. You're filling in the pieces. So it's But really it's not exciting. just Barrett either, because I think I think a guy... Like we don't have to just key in on him, a guy like Knox. And even though we haven't seen him uh, now in a couple of games, a guy like Obi Toppin, like all of those guys clearly benefit from just like the ball moving around yeah, and like players moving the ball and then players moving with the ball. Like, and Alec Burks does both of those things and he's doing both of those things really well. He's clearly has some synergy um, with everybody he's playing with. I mean, my goodness. Um, I just, yeah, I would, I shudder to think where this team would be, <laughs> would be without him. Um, but I, I am just happy he's here. We should say his stat line, 18 points. He just missed becoming the first Nick since Mello yep. to open his Nick career with three straight 20 point games. Good trivia question. Um, again, four or five from three. I mean, just insane stuff. Five assists, like five assists off the bench in 21 minutes. Alec Burks. How you doing? And, and you know, he's not a point guard. I know that obviously the Knicks might oh, try to plug on, yeah. him in at some, but he does enough, as you were saying, enough of the reads and pick and roll um, and, and making the smart passes out there where he can at least help with the offense. And it's not going to be this um, piece of garbage that, that we hate seeing because the one thing I've picked up with this team is already through three games, they are having a blast playing together. They are sharing the ball. Yeah. They are focused. They are attentive. Oh, they care about something. It. Um, very quickly to go back to RJ and, and Randall, I was uh, cutting some clips earlier today and there was a, uh, the play it was the second to last uh, offense possession of the second quarter against Philly. Um, so talking last night um, where RJ and Randall had a moment where they had a back and forth as they were, I think it was RJ actually bringing the ball up from the backcourt Randall alongside of him. And they had some kind of exchange. And they brought the ball up and Randall went right into like almost like a surprise hard pick. Like it came out of nowhere and RJ curled around it and he got um, one of the two shots. I think he made all night, really nice, easy look. And that same thing where the two of them came up the court together and they had a quick back and forth um, exchange and it led to just a nice two man game between the two of them. And it resulted in a bucket. Um, I forget when it happened tonight, but I, wrote it down somewhere in my, in my frenzy of excitement. Here's the point. Those two guys look like oil and water last year. It was just like, of all the reasons that I wanted Randall off the team, his relationship with RJ was, was number one. It seems like they're on the same page. And that what you just said reminded me of that. And I, I thank you for bringing that up because yeah, this team does seem to like playing together and, and like, um, you know, Pinson even talked about it on the media availability uh, yesterday where it's like we, he, he's like, 
we responded to the first loss. Well, I thought we, we came on, we came in with the right attitude and got guys are putting the work and like Tibbs is talking about it a lot. And of course he's going to say this, but um, guys are you know practicing hard and like the, the habits are being built and all that shit. You love it. Can I pick where we go next? I want to go. Here's where I want to go. I'm going to go to Mitch because I think Mitch has been outstanding and I'm really high on Mitch but I think he's been really good. Where, where are you at on Mitch this season? Yeah, he's been phenomenal. I mean, even tonight, right? It may not seem like he did a fantastic job, but he did. It's not, you, you have to look a little if bit. If you watch the, the game, it seems like he did. He sure did. You know, I yeah. mean, also when you're going against the two-time defending MVP and you leave the game with only two fouls committed, that is fantastic. That yep. is clear demonstrated growth because I've, I've honestly been seeing some people question whether these types of players can grow. yes. They can, especially when you play against the best and you start to beat the best, it carries over into other games. And Mitch has been outstanding. There were some finishes that he had, which were great. Um, he was just very active on the boards. He's he's going straight up more. I know with the Pacers game, some of, some of those calls, at least one in particular, was a little ridiculous on Sabonis. Um, and he's, he's learning you a little bit more. You haven't seen the reach fouls. The, I know. The, the, the I'm tired, I don't want to get in the right position, so I'm just going to swipe. We haven't and seen And he did it in preseason. And it seemed like after that one point, it kind of just turned off and he's been good from there. So I I don't see how you can be unhappy with the performances that he's had. I can understand the numerical production where people might be kind of questioning it, but he is impacting the team around him and helping with that defense. And that's just beautiful to see. Like his, he, I, I, I get that people want to see him like break out these like dribble moves that he does in the, in the off season, and, like shoot a three or whatever, or a mid ranger, whatever. Like that's, that's not Mr. Robinson's value. He is one of those guys. He is, I'm not comparing him to Draymond, but like it, it often gets said of Draymond, he could own a game without scoring a point. Right. That's Mr. Robinson. Um, because on offense, the threat of his uh, verticality, to use a, a buzzword, is just massively significant. And, you know, when he's out there and you you just go back and you, you you don't always pay attention to it in the moment. But if you go back and watch again, and I'll, I'll try to maybe dedicate a newsletter to it upcoming at some point, like the amount of times that centers, opposing centers have to stay home on Mitch. It happens all the time. Um, because you can't leave that dude. Um, you know, if, if you have a, and we're getting there, if you have a competent point guard running the show or somebody who could deliver an alley-oop, um, he played 35 minutes tonight. Um, that's why it's not just the two fouls, two fouls and 35 minutes, nine point six boards. I thought he actually boxed out really well. I thought he was all over the glass. Um, even on rebounds, he didn't get um, like he tipped a, a good number of balls, ended up with two steals and a block. He's just been really sound. Um, and I don't know, again, not getting ahead of ourselves. I don't know what he's, what the contract discussion is going to be this, this summer. I'm thinking about it though, man. You, you, you always have that in my mind. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry. Not sorry. Um, at least with, <laughs> with Mitch too. The other thing is he, he had two tough tests. He had, yeah. um, Sabonis in game one, who was, who's an all-star, uh, at least was last year and probably projects to be upcoming. And he had Embiid who is a superstar. And Mitch is young, obviously. This whole team is young. A big problem with youth is that you're not going to be bulked up to such a degree that you will want to be there. It's going to take some time. Yeah. And he struggled a bit with some of the more bruising players. But you know what? It's okay. Because the understanding here is there are tons of guys in this league who cannot hang with Joel Embiid or Demonis Sabonis. It's not like, oh, well, it's just an excuse where it's totally fine. No, but because he did, he there were moments where he was playing well. It's just the sort of thing where you have to tip your cap and say, this is just the sort of thing that will fix be fixed with time, uh, maybe more personnel. Um, we were talking maybe a little bit more about like, if you even had a Kylo Quinn type, it doesn't have to be Kylo Quinn, but just a player. Why not comes, Kylo Quinn? I mean, I sure. Kylo it, Quinn. Of course. Who doesn't love Kylo Quinn? Um, but just the idea of that type of player who can be aggressive and can um, exert force like Dwight Howard was bodying, especially in New Orleans. While he was getting thrown around like a ragdoll sometimes. Yeah. And that seems to be what the Knicks have done frequently. Maybe Taj Gibson has been a little, had, has had a lower um, level of gravity or lower level uh, center of gravity. And that's been great because he's been able to hold up, but obviously he's not on the team anymore. 
And the Knicks will eventually need someone who can be a little bit stronger from the base. Well, but for right now, we saw Randall tonight. Um, like I gotta say, he played some nice defense. He did it, more yeah. the idea of going against you know some of the better bigs who can score on the inside. But Randall did fine, especially yeah. because um, and the Knicks only played the Bucks I think three times last year. But one on one. The uh, Giannis had the highest yes. scoring percentage from the floor yep. against like Julius Randle. Like and I'm sure, yeah, it was 82. percent And I'm sure that Julius Randle knew about that, or at least coaching said, you, like you, you could were tell abused by him, and he took you, it personally. You could tell he took it personally, and that's great. You want to see that. You want to yeah. see these players take it personally and feel like they have to redeem yeah. themselves and play up to the task. It's it's an interesting dichotomy between the two of them, Mitch and, and Julius, on defense because Julius has this thing where he doesn't jump. <laughs> ever for blocks. It is, it is his thing. He got a block tonight though. Actually, I was, I couldn't believe it. I, I thought I was seeing a ghost. Um, and he, but at the same time he, and he's off ball, he's just a disaster. Um, but on ball, um, especially when he doesn't have to go a whole lot of places. Um, he's, he's okay, you know, and he's a big, he's a big, strong dude. So, I'll be curious to see moving forward how they um, they balance or Tibbs uses the two of them together because obviously Mitch is this like not quite the queen on the chessboard like that's Giannis but he's close he's getting there he's moving to that in that direction and they they are just so 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 sound in this scheme where the Knicks they know what they want to do um, it's not always going to work sometimes teams teams are going to hit threes against them. So be it. Didn't happen tonight. They got the win. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll see. But I'm, I'm going to watch that moving forward. Last thing, last guy before we get to um, the point guards, Kevin Knox. I don't even know what he, he was three for eight tonight. He was one for four from deep. I don't think his stats have been great during the season. I feel like, and again, I have looked at this team through rose colored glasses for a very long time. I feel like I am watching a a slightly what's the best word for this? This is not the Kevin Knox that I saw on offense last year. It is a it is a guy that looks like he can be a part of an NBA offense that is that can get out of its own way and maybe even do some stuff. And he's making good decisions. I think he's he looks the part. The shots aren't necessarily falling yet. Um and on defense, we've had a couple not so great moments, but I like what I've seen from Knox. Where where are you at on Knox so far? I'm around there. You know, you want to see more, of course. Why wouldn't you? Hmm? But it also seemed like in the beginning of preseason, the sh- the looks were great. They were there. He just wasn't hitting the shots, and the sh- the shot looked fine. They just weren't falling. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, he lit it up. And that's my hope, uh, especially when someone like Quickly comes back because they seem to have formed some sort of chemistry yeah. and that looks great. So perhaps Quickly knows where to find him and they can get some better looks that way. But with Knox, yes, it's it's this idea of he's not there yet, of course, but you can see where he's getting to. And you yeah. can see the, the maturation of how he can get there. And that's fine, you know, because there's no rush. I mean, you, my goal for him essentially or – I guess the, the number one goal for Knox um, of a few of them would probably be just like, all you have to do is look like an NBA caliber player, <laughs> but and I it's think he's a he very does. low bar and he does. I think That's, he does. And he's shown effort. You know, I mean, it's not like he hasn't shown effort in the past, but it feels like there's a renewed sense of purpose um, where he, there was especially one play. I think it was in the first, first half on defense where um, he was like, I think he went straight up Um and, well, and he had a, a nice block, the block in the first half. Right, yeah. and that was great to see. Um, you know, He usually has active hands. He, he's usually focused. His, his head's not going to be on a swivel, but it's better than it was before, he, and he, he seems to be engaged still. Yeah. So that's what you kind of look for. Um, and again, it's going to happen eventually, maybe not to such a degree that it did playing against the Canton Charge, but it was <laughs> nice to see. At least it gave, it gave a small glimpse into what can happen maybe sometime this year. Potentially next year. I, I love he's been putting the ball on the floor. And um, unlike his rookie year and last year, it's not just like I'm just going to drive into a bot, into whoever happens to be there and fling something up. He's actually making decisions, and they've been decent decisions. Um, 26 minutes for Knox tonight, one turnover, uh, two assists to go with a steal and a block. 
again, it's just, it's not the type of thing like you're going to get from the stat line so far, but I'm, so we've now talked about one, two, three, four, five guys. And we are between like, okay with what they've done and very, very happy with what they've done on all five of those guys. And they're five important players for this team. And yet we, we were pretty convinced we were going to come on here tonight and talk about not only an 0-3 team, but probably an 0-3 team that had lost three games by an average of close to 20 points, right? Um, and that's because of the point guard situation, which is where we'll we'll finish up. So um, I don't even know how to have this conversation because I had – I wrote a newsletter that I said I wrote a, a Sunday newsletter today in which I basically was like, we've seen enough from Alfred Payton. Um, this like, there's no use going to this well again. And um, I essentially said the same thing about Frank Milikina. I was like, this, like it's, it's year four. We're seeing these little signs and I'm like, I'm tired of looking for little signs. I'm like, when quickly comes back, just give him the job, let him play as much as he wants. And when he, um, when he tires and you need to put him on the bench, um, just run without a point guard and, and, and have it be Burks and RJ and Austin rivers when he's back and Randall and whatever else. And then tonight, Alfred Payton came out and shot. I can't, I have to read this 12 of 16 from the field, including <laughs> get to get this out three for three from deep. I like that happened tonight um, for 27 points and seven assists. Uh, just utterly unbelievable stuff. And not to be outdone, Frank Nilakina, 19 minutes, four for four from deep. Um, had the, that accounted for all, all 12 of, of his points. Um, there was a, 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 I don't know how many minutes the stretch was where he was just firing away um, every time he got the ball from three. Where, what, what, what's going on? I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't know what we're doing anymore. I, I have no words. I mean, it just goes to show that cyberbullying can work. That's the beauty of it. Like, just get Jonathan Macri to write a scathing Sunday morning newsletter on you, and things can start to work. So, John, we, we need you to That's continue it. doing this every Sunday where you just light the fire under these players because, you know, we know they'll see it. We'll just tw- we'll tweet at them and chirp at them, and uh, things will go well. You know, for, for Peyton, again, like, I think the one thing with the point guard crop is because fans have been, and rightfully so, very – uh, vociferous about this battle, or if you word want of the call day, that, word uh, of yes, the day, we'll take it. And it's the sort of thing where um, I've just been kind of hanging back on Twitter and just cracking jokes because of, again, there's so little for us to parse out that it's hard to really get into the nitty gritty of the, of the data. So um, I'll just, you know, I figured might as well have fun with it in the meantime. Yeah. And so I've been seeing a huge amount of fans being like, you know, just wave Peyton already. All right. Or the idea of like, just let go of Frank. There's nothing there, that sort of thing. And I've been quiet because it's like, look, guys, yes, Peyton is who he is. Absolutely. And we went on the podcast. You could call it defending the signing. To me, it was more just like rationalizing that it's not a good signing, but it's the better of the yeah. shit pile. And, and that's it's, what we're it's no with. use going. I think our, our main point that night was this is not the thing to this is not the hill to die on. Right. If you're a Knicks fan. Right. And, you know, you look at other teams in terms of what they've done with the point guard position. And even with Russell Westbrook right now, I mean, he's playing with an old coach. They do not look great either. There just were not many 0-3. Oh, exactly. Although he sat out tonight. But even still, if he were yeah. on this team, he well, would have sat out on a back-to-back night. I was about so, to say, that's significant. Right. And you want your players to be healthy because the number one ability is availability. So, um, aside, Russell Westbrook aside, let's start with Peyton. It's this idea of, the Knicks, in, in terms of how on fire they were around him, and yes, Peyton was obviously shooting lights out. I mean, he hit three threes, as you said. Well, he hit 14 all last year in, I think, 46 games. So that's yeah. one every three games yep. and he would hit a three. And, and you know, obviously an incredibly small sample size, but it's still astonishing that he was able to do that tonight. But it's the players around him who, how they were able to succeed, how he was able to be with 
three shooters and then someone who could run the floor at the at the center position. And that's what we have been saying for so long, which is that if you can get that personnel and put him and have him lead that unit, he can actually do fine. And tonight was a testament where, yes, he shot the ball ridiculously well, but the other players around him did too. And on a night where maybe he's not doing as well, but the other players are even shooting around average of what they normally might, that is a, that's an NBA player. That's not a Shanghai shark. That is he's, someone who can actually help you. There was never a question about whether Alfred Payton was an NBA player. There was always the question remained about whether he should – um, be an NBA player for, for this team sure, and this, and, also, and this roster. And what his role is, which is why I'm still in favor of having Emmanuel quickly start. But you could still have someone like well, Alfred Payton off the bench. But then you also have someone like Frank Nielakina coming. Not, you know, I want to say it's out of nowhere, but well, but the truth is I don't really know how out of nowhere it is. And the he didn't play I point guard, that, by the way, though. He did. He, no, he hasn't played true. point guard yet this year. This is yes. he, he's the wing. He's he, on the wing. He barely brought the ball up and, yeah. you know, things worked again. So like my view on this is everyone goes to his three point percentage and they, they look at the fact that he's, you know, he shot I think 32, 28, 32, the last three years, um, he's right. 22 years old right now. And to me, it's just like a basic misunderstanding of how the math works, which like 32% tells me that for every 100 threes, Frank Nielakina takes, he hits 32 if you that, add, that is what it tells me too. Absolutely. Thank if you, you for that. add two to those 32, right? Now you're hitting 34 out of 100. Yeah. It doesn't seem like a huge difference. And now we're talking about a player who is making a slight improvement to the point where at still 22 years old, he's at least becoming a serviceable 3 and D off ball secondary ball handler type player. Yeah. And there is value in that player. And it's why I talked about, I tweeted earlier this week about how like, Frank, to me, if you're having this uh, ascending contract, then somewhere around the seven and a half million dollar mark next year really isn't outrageous, especially oh. when you look at the other players. We, we got a l- we long do. way I, to go. Of course. And I'm, I'm not saying Before this game there. represents that. I just want to use this game as an yeah, example. Yeah, no, it's fair. And the idea of if he got a decreasing or a depreciating, well, a, a declining, descending deal, so many D words, a descending deal, maybe starting around nine instead and working down would be different. I was comparing him to point guards where if he's not going to play point guard, then it's kind of not so much pointless, but it's harder to compare him that way. The point still remains that you do not have to get rid of a guy who is shooting 34% or so. We're still a long way to go for him to get there. Yeah. You just need to see tangible improvement. And on a night like tonight where he played, I think seven minutes in total over the first two games where the first five, he was just, thrown out in the fourth quarter of a game that really was already over basically. Uh, and then a yeah. few minutes into the next game where again, it was garbage time that was already over to begin with. You now have someone, it was a healthy night, no Dennis Smith Jr., no Emmanuel quickly, Alfred Payton going off. Frank's still not playing on ball and that's okay because he's still adding value. And, and that is the beauty of it. You can find it with, with so many of these players, it's just in terms of how they're used. And if you create a better system for this offense, you create better looks and with better looks come better shots because you know that they're going to say like, we know that Frank is great from this spot. We know that Burks is great from that spot. We're going to try to optimize it so we can get them great open looks from there. And it it starts to work out that way. And it's not going to be the whole season, of course, but this is a nice glimpse into all of these players and what they can provide. Yeah, but if they if they're putting Frank on the wing, that inherently means they think that he could hit enough shots to be useful and keep defenses honest, right? Well, as of right now, it means that with you know down a few men, that that's where they see him. We don't know where with a healthy rotation where he is, but I agree they don't see him as a well, um, as a penetrating guard. He isn't. There was one moment too where he. Could have well, easily he had taken a floater, and he just yes. just didn't, and that's very frustrating to watch because he had you want to see that several, aggression. He had several moments tonight that were right. frustrating, where he it's just like those are the moments where, and that's why, and I, I've started on this train in January or February, I think. Um, I just don't think he's an NBA point guard. I think he's an NBA player, and I think he's an NBA player that could help teams, in especially in this era where. You know, do we need a point guard? Do we not need a point guard? I, I, you know, it's like you need guys who could draw attention and move with the ball. Um, doesn't necessarily need to, to be in a certain package, but whatever. He's he's a guy that they think could hit enough shots to keep defenses honest. And I think, you know, all 
towards the end of the preseason, I started to kind of get in this mindset that he was going to be the 11th guy in a 10 man rotation. And tonight they played nine. It was essentially a nine man rotation tonight because it was the five starters, uh, Barrett, Peyton, Robinson, Bullock, Randall, and then Knox, um, Burks were the two primary, like they got the most minutes off the bench. And then it was Nil Kina and Noel and Noel, by the way, for all of the consternation, another word of the day mm-hmm. for all the consternation about the minutes that he was going to take from Mitchell Robinson. What is he averaging? 12 minutes, 13 minutes, 14. I don't, I don't even know what it's not a lot. Um, and I think like, again, Tibbs is a good coach. <laughs> he's a good coach in the fact that he's doing things like, Hey, Mitchell Robinson is better than Noel. Noel so well, I'm going to play Mitchell Robinson more. He's a good coach in that he has a guy like Frank Nilakina. Does the team want him? Eh, maybe, maybe not. Does he want to be here? Maybe, maybe not, but he's coming in and he's playing his ass off. And if, uh, as was reported last night, after that game ended against the Sixers, he was out there putting in extra work. That to me is a testament to the coaching staff and what they're doing. Um, and, you know, whatever they're instilling in the roster. I still think when this team is healthy, Frank is the odd man out because once quickly comes back and once Toppin comes back, um, you know, and then even if like Bullock may Bullock may be shooting himself out of the rotation. Unfortunately, I feel bad saying that, but Bullock's been just kind of, He's been okay. He's been yeah. making the right plays, been doing the right things. He's been moving around, but he's just he's not hitting his shots. And I wonder, you know, is that going to be the spot that Austin Rivers takes when he gets back? But just sooner than later, so, if you, it, I mean, he he posts on Instagram that it seems like he's really not that far away. Yeah, he's going to be either he took contact today or he's going to be taking contact tomorrow or something like that. Um, so yeah, I don't I don't know. I mean, there's look, there's going to be injuries as we've already seen quickly mm-hmm. and Obi. Um, there's going to be injuries throughout the year. I, I don't know what they do. I, I Payton's not going anywhere. He, he's going to continue to get minutes on this team. And um, look, he just he was a lot better tonight. I don't know how else you say it. He was a lot better tonight. And if he's attacking on offense like he was tonight, that is a useful player. And he does get – here's the thing with Payton, and you can watch it he gets guarded when he has the ball in his hands and he gets guarded out beyond the three point line, despite the fact that he has, doesn't have a three point shot because defenders know that if you give him a runway, he is able to cause damage. And historically that has, he has done that. He has been able to do that. So he gets guarded out on the perimeter. If he has the ball in his hands, yes, guys are going to go under screens on him, but he's crafty and he could do stuff with that. The problem is when he doesn't have the ball in his hands. And so to get back to what we were saying before, if you're going to run this offense essentially through Julius Randle and RJ Barrett, what is Peyton doing? And we've already seen, you know, clips after, after clips of there's Peyton hanging out on th- behind the arc and no one's paying attention to him. And, um, you know, finally tonight he hit some threes, but those are probably not going to go down at this rate. So well, then what's the secret? The secret is either you put the ball in his hands more when he's in the game and when he's the ball is not in his hands, you just got to move around a lot. Cause that's, I feel like the only way to counter that is to just have him be moving constantly, have him be available for cuts because that's the other part about if the ball's in Randall's hands or RJ's theoretically, those guys are going to be able to hit a cutter um, on a well-timed cut. So I, you know, we, we were all probably too quick to throw dirt on, on um, the, the grave of, of one Alfred Payton, um, we'll still take tonight with a grain of salt, but it's either way. It's look, it's good um, because they needed a win. They got a win. It was a really good win. And um, yeah, I don't, I mean, this is, this is, this is a great night, right? Yeah. It's fantastic. And just one more thing with well, a few more things, Albert Payton, his looks have been mostly catch and shoot wide open. So, if you want him to take shots, those are at least the quality of the shots that are great. Um, obviously, maybe you have someone who can fit that role, who does it a higher percentage in terms of that they can actually do it on a more reliable basis. But it's not like he's been taking these atrocious so- shots from three, and it wasn't even this game as well. or It wasn't just this game. The last game he did it as well, um, where I think there was a corner shot that looked fine. It just didn't go in. So that's encouraging. We're also seeing more cutting. 
And one of the things that we mentioned, we talked about the Knox block, but we didn't talk about what happened on the other end, which is that <laughs> Frank Nielakina took the ball and hit a pull-up three-pointer. Amazing. It, like, Unbelievable. Th- who would have thought? So that sort of thing where... <laughs> Look at us. <laughs> <laughs> Not me. <laughs> the fact that we're able to smile and laugh when we just saw this game is it's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing. Because now, I mean, the next game is against the 3-0 and Cleveland Cavaliers who have been playing their asses off even first back place last year first yeah. place Cleveland Cavaliers they're nine and six since they made a coaching staff with a, and they got the line out and Bickerstaff in point differential of 13.3 it's astonishing and of course they're the ones who also benefited from the off night on Joel Embiid for a back-to-back but that's neither here nor there that's fine oh um, I didn't I didn't catch that I saw they kicked yeah. the Sixers ass I did not realize Embiid was out oh, oh yeah okay and Drummond did perfectly well, and he was able to avoid having to defend. I, uh, I should Joel hope he Embiid. did perfectly well. Um, <laughs> exactly. So Dwight started 15 minutes, four for four from the field. Oh, okay. We had a little. Yeah. I mean, I mean, who's let's preview this. Actually, before we preview this game, we should note um, very quickly um, that uh, Dennis Smith Jr. I think you, you mentioned it before. Dennis Smith Jr. is out. Um, what was what was wrong with him, by the way? Do we know what was wrong with I him? I think they said something in a leg contusion. I'd have to double check. Well, I'll, I'll double check while you're on it. But. Contu- something was wrong with him. So he was hurt. Um, Obi Toppin is hurt. He'll be out for seven to ten days. So he's probably going to miss another five games. Quickly's out. All of these guys are hurt, which stinks. But they're basketball players, and they're tough, and they have the best you know, sports doctors, the whole thing. And they're going to be back. Um, before we know it. Well, whether or not Dennis, I think Dennis Jr. may not be back on the court for the Knicks. He'll be back healthy, though. Yeah, he um, had a, so it was a contused left quad. A contused That's left quad, okay. Perfect. Yeah, and just, I know that we only had one game of Obi Toppin, so it's a little bit hard to see, but there were obviously, uh, there's some scuttlebutt, of course, about how Obi Toppin has been used in that one game where he was taking all these threes, really wasn't doing much posting up, maybe wasn't cutting quite as much. I understand the uproar because you want to use him in the right role. But my question as well is if he comes back and that's what he continues doing, how different is that role compared to what some sort of prospect would do at a place like Kentucky? Because we've seen so many of these great recruits go to Kentucky and play out of position, uh, gain new skills, doing things that make them feel uncomfortable. And we know that Obi Toppin can excel in the areas that he's great at. So you want to you want to emphasize those, but yes. what happens if they actually try to expand his game to the point where when he's actually able to do more, he's a more versatile player? That seems to be the time for for when you can hone those skills, and now seems to be the time when he's healthy to be able to to do a better job at them and develop. I them. think I think we have to take everybody's worried about it because of the age, and I totally get it. But and that's real. That's a real thing. And I I am too, but. I'll let you go because I, I have something well, in mind, but I think you're going to say it. Well, it's just his development curve as a player has not been traditional in that he was, he's been a late bloomer every step of the way, including, you know, when he redshirted whatever, I think his first year at, at Dayton um, and, you know, in his freshman year, it's like he has progressed steadily um, all the way through. So to expect that he was not going to have to continue like this kind of slow uphill climb once he became an NBA player, um, uh, which is why, and before we get to your point, very, very uh, quick word from our, from our friends at uh, Faruqi and Faruqi law. Um, you know what? Uh, anyone questioning the Obi Toppin draft pick already, that is negligence because it's way too soon for that. Um, when one of us is injured because of someone else's negligence, whether it be about Obi Toppin or otherwise, it can be a life-changing event. And when that happens, you want a strong legal team fighting for you. Um, and that legal team, you want them to do a few things. You want them to be able to pick up the phone and and whenever you call, um, you don't want to be one of many files on a shelf. Um, and you don't want your lawyers to be afraid to go to court. The legal team at Faruqi and Faruqi gives their clients their personal cell phone number to call 24-7, limits the number of clients they represent at one time, and has a long track record of taking on insurance companies, corporations, and the government in court and winning. 
And while prior results do not guarantee a similar outcome, you could learn more about them by going to nylegalteam.com. One more time, that is nylegalteam.com. Um, yeah, don't worry about Obi Toppin. Obi Toppin is going to be fine. What, what are we going to say about Obi? Yeah, I mean, in terms of trajectory, you know, we talk about his age, and that's certainly a factor. But the other idea of it's it's not like he just discovered basketball and he's growing and there's, there's a time constraint. He's still been developing from the age of 18, 19 years old, 22. He's going to continue doing that. So you have to kind of compare it to what would happen if he were drafted at a younger age, what would his projection look like? How might it compare? What would it be like if he played for the Knicks of old with David Fisdale and stalling of some sort, what might it look like for a team like Toronto? Why why do we have to bring that up? Well, yeah, he's an example. Um, unfortunately, and you know, and tonight it was it is an unfortunate example. Uh, the fact that the uh, I loved um, shout out to the Strickland uh, Alex Wolf posting about how what Fizdale looked like against the Bucks when they were Knicks were down thirty eight, and certainly uh, you could probably tell that Tom Thibodeau was smiling behind a mask, or at least internally, uh, at the idea of the Knicks winning, or maybe not. Maybe he thought like this isn't us winning by fifty uh, at halftime, like the Clippers were losing two to the Mavs. So I want it to be more. Point being with Obi Toppin, it's still hard to compare him to other prospects because of his journey. And that's what I keep going back to in that where his development, his game needs to expand much like every prospect um, or, or rookie or young players games would need to expand. So I'm happy to see him doing things that can help elevate his game when the time comes. And for right now, we just need him to be healthy because chances are we're not going to see him until maybe like middle end of june i mean june january January. no Um, listen it's i know it's disappointing for fans but it's injuries happen it's like it's a calf strain you don't want to fuck with this um he'll be fine i i think getting quickly back sooner rather than later is more important right um absolutely yeah so um we move forward from here um what so they play the Cavs um in cleveland we should note so that will not be, you know, that will not be an easy game. Um, they have a chance to go two and two. They have a chance to go one and three. Um, assuming they are not going to make every three-pointer under the sun on Tuesday, uh, and it's, it's going to be more of a traditional effort, I guess, like, what are, what, are, what are you going to be looking for going into this game? Because I, I'm trying to think, for me, like, I, I got to say, of all the things that I'm wondering about, like I'm starting to be like, okay, really this like Randall, this is what we have from Randall. Now RJ has been okay. Mitch, this is Mitch. I want to see if El- how Alfred Payton follows up that effort of all the things I'm going to be looking for heading into Tuesday. I think that's the number one thing, um, which maybe is like short-sighted and maybe me living in the moment. And there are far bigger picture things and you know whatever for this team but like i i don't know because i i just i've been sitting here like racking my brain like how the hell is this team gonna you know manufacture points without a real point guard and if he could just if he could do putting aside the threes but if he could just be aggressive and moving around and like all this stuff and just give them 20 minutes of that a night that would be so huge and I, I don't, and this is the last thing I'll say for me, you know, for tonight, everybody who's like, where is that getting us? Where is Alfred Payton going, to, you know, whatever we want, 12 for 16 from the field. Where does that get us in the long run? I don't, I'm not in that mindset. I'm in the mindset of just go out, look good, look competent, run a decent offense. And, um, you know, have the young players that are in this locker room feel like, hey, the work that we're putting in behind the scenes is paying off in the occasional win. And that makes a difference and that matters. And if Alfred Payton could help that effort, I'm all, I'm here for it, you know? Um, so that's that's the only thing I want to say. And that's what I'm going to be paying attention to on, uh, on Tuesday night. Yeah, for Payton, I think it'd be different if quickly were healthy, but he's not. And there's this idea of, okay, well, if he's able to help with the development of the players around him, you're not developing Alfred Payton. You're trying to focus on the guys who are benefiting. If you want to call it that, I mean, it's certainly in this game, it was a benefit of playing with Alfred Payton. 
Um, I'd say the biggest thing for me, I mean, one of them would sure be carryover. You want to see how after a huge win, if yeah. they can. Is there a letdown? To, sure. Right. Um, but it's, I think it's actually more about how the Knicks can contain Dar- uh, um, Garland and Sexton. Darius Garland, Colin Sexton. Because sure. uh, Sexland, as they're called, they've been phenomenal. And do people actually call them that? Somebody yes, brought I've that up to me earlier today. I've seen I, it several times from multiple different accounts uh, that it's Sexland, and I think that's great. Let's do it. Um, but Cleveland like, is not Sexland. I've dated. I wrote about this recently. I dated a girl in Cleveland throughout college. Cleveland is many things. Sexland is not one of them. Yeah, probably. I mean, it's better than calling it Garten, though. I mean, no, I think Garden is more is more appropriate. But that's reserved for Ina, you know, the goat of cooking. In a lot of ways, she. I is. don't know who that is. You don't know Ina Garden? All right, watch the Food Network. It, I, I you'll I, enjoy I, it in my spare time. I'll watch. At, the food that's Network. true. You know, you have so much time to do it. Anyways, um, I really think that figuring a way to solve that backcourt because of how prolific they've been is something that the Knicks need to focus on because we've seen the ability to match in terms of offense. And even with the, the first Cavs game, I mean, that was probably going to be a blowout. I shouldn't say a blowout. It was not going to be a fun game if the Cavs had kept all of their best players in and they only played half of their roster against the Knicks. So if you're able to figure out a way to solve that duo, kind of neutralize the point of the attack and, and, you know, Drummond's going to be another tough test. I was about, about to say, physicality. This is that's going to be a, a real stretch for Mitch. Mitch is um, going to have to be on his P's and Q's. This exactly. So I'd say figure out Sexland and then figure out Andre Drummond. Those are the two key things for me. And then after that, I mean, the week wraps up with uh, you, you end this godforsaken the year. year. The year against, wraps up. Uh, the, the Tampa, Tampa Bay, Raptors. Bay Raptors. Yeah. Um, who are not the almighty Raptors or almighty Dinos that, they have been in the past. And then you go back to Indiana and try to um, avenge the ghost that you had back on the 23rd. And then that's uh, the week. You're so, really waxing poetic tonight. I got to say, you know, I mean, I, I don't see how two and four is really out of reach. I think you can, maybe this is just tonight's game talking, but if you can clobber the bucks, then you can probably try to win one of those three games. That's I think I think I think two and four is certainly within reach, and I think if the Knicks, I, did I actually make a final preseason prediction? I didn't. What? I didn't say it publicly, but I took the over, so I'm going to go with twenty five and forty seven. I one thousand percent took the over, and that that I was, I did. I have that on record. I'm just. I'm thinking. Um. Oh man. While what you're was, thinking, I also took quickly at plus 3,500 for rookie of the year. I don't expect to plus win. Plus 3,500? But I thought, look, it's on the book. I might as well take it. You never know because if Alfred Payton gets the door or if Quickly's playing a nice role and something happens, he's an injury away from being a starter. And I also thought earlier this week the irony how we talked about the path to Emmanuel Quickly and saying, like, oh, well, it takes one injury for him to get playing time. And of course, the injury to the point guard rotation <laughs> before yeah. Dennis Jr. got hurt was Emmanuel quickly. So if that's not a Greek tragedy, I don't really know what is. So I'm looking at my predictions newsletter. I wrote 26 and 46. Okay. So 26 and 46 means one, one game. No, not one game, two games ahead of win one out of every three games pace because winning one out of every three would result in a 24 and 48 record if my math is correct. And I believe it is. So I am, I am predicting that they will outpace that by two games. So two and four, I'm here for it, man. If they found a way to go three and three, holy shit. (laughs) We're talking about the Knicks becoming buyers, not sellers. (laughs) (laughs) I kid, I kid. I know. Right. Uh, Hey, listen, man, Crazier shit has happened. Listen, uh, we'll we'll all enjoy this one. Uh, there haven't been many uh, to enjoy as much as this over the last several years, especially. But this is worth enjoying because it's you know it gives you hope um, for the future about a lot of things. And um, I think again, first and foremost, people running this team seem to seem to know what they're doing. Um, so that's that's good. Uh, anything from you before we get out of here, Mister Cohen? Um, 
it's going to be a new year. So rest in peace to 2020 uh, to all of you and, and you too, John. Have a wonderful and safe uh, New Year's, New Year's Eve, and we'll see you in 2021. Yeah, I will see you again in 2021. And um, I'll be, we'll have another episode, another few episodes, I think, before we ring in the new year, at least one. But uh, yeah, everybody uh, stay safe out there. And um, yeah, this was fun. Enjoy the win. Enjoy it tonight. Enjoy the win. Even Enjoy if it's tomorrow win. when you will absolutely be listening to this. Enjoy it. <laughs> Savor it. It's beautiful. Uh, well said. All right. We'll see you later.